You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. Well, good morning and welcome to Sun Grove. We are so glad that you're here and you may be here today. It may be your first time if you're here visiting with family or there's a baby that's getting dedicated or a child is getting dedicated today. And if you're a guest today, we just want to say we're as available to you as you're comfortable with and we're so glad that you're here with us. We've been in a series called Tension and today I want to talk with you about the tension of self-leading and of parenting. Parenting has lots of tensions, doesn't it? Like, how much involvement do you have, and how much is over-controlling, and how much is, is too much lenience, and, and it has a lot of tension in it. And, and I have to think back and go, how did, how did this all start? I want you to think for a minute. If you are a parent, no matter what your age is, you might even be a grandparent now, but I want you to think way back. Can you identify the first time you thought, I just might want to have kids? That that idea might say, hey, I might be open to that. For some of you, it was an absolute surprise, right? It was thrust upon you. You had no choice. It happened, and, and then you were all of a sudden were parents. But others of you, you thought about it, and you thought, you know, maybe someday. But for me, I remember being in college, and I was uh, overseas in Israel, and I was on this month-long trip, and, and every day you go all day, all day long in this amazing trip to see the Holy Land, and just you're touring all day long, and you're on the bus, and by the end of the day, you're kind of exhausted. So we're at the end of the day. I'm literally got my headphones on. I'm leaning up against the window, and, and I'm, I'm just tired. You know, this is like the only kind of like alone time you get during the day. You're just on the bus as you're about to head back to where you stay. But on the way, we have to drop off our tour guide. He's not staying with us all the time that we're there. He goes home every night. So we pull up our bus behind this car on this road, and I'm leaning up against the window, and I'm looking out, and I see him kind of hop down off the bus, and then I see the car doors open, and I see these little kids just run up and, like, just hug his legs. And all of a sudden, right there on the bus in Israel, for the first time in my life, I was like, I might want to be a dad someday. Like, that could be cool. What if I had boys of my own? Like, how cool would that be, right? Some of you know how that story ended, right? We, God gave us three boys, and children are a gift from the Lord. And some of you in this room, you, you want children. You've been trying for children. And if God gives them to you, literally children are a gift from the Lord. For others of you in this room, you're like, listen, I'm in high school. I'm even in junior high, and, and that is so far out for me. Like, I, I'm, I can't even think. I haven't even thought about, like, what I'm going to do for work. I have not even settled whether I'm getting married or not. You, you haven't even gotten to that point of, like, am I going to have kids or not? Some of you in this room, you're your grandparents, and you're like, hey, listen, I did round one, now we're kind of on round two. Others of you in this room, you've graduated out of parenting, except that your adult children have moved back into the house, right? They came back. You're like, hey, it's kind of backwards. It's different than when we did it. They moved out, and now they're back, and, and you looked at, you know, parenting, and you're like, how do we do this? How do we do this again? And there's tensions that happen when you get into parenting like that, and some of you, uh, parenting's just not on your radar right now. It just seems so far off, and you might in this moment think, well, maybe this sermon isn't for me. Not so. Today's sermon is for every person in this room. Today's sermon is on self-leading. If you and I lead ourselves, then we're able to lead those around us, including when it's our family. And so if you are a parent, you're leading not only yourself, but as you lead yourself, you are a better leader to your children, and you have to understand that that's essential when you look at what it means to have the end in sight. Every person in this room is a leader, and most people decide if they're a leader based on the number of followers they have. Well, I'm a leader because the whole football team follows me, or I'm a leader because I got a bunch of social networking people, or I'm a leader because, of... no, every single person, listen to you, listen to me, everybody in here is a, is a leader. Because leadership is simply influence. You influence 
other people. But the most important person you influence is you. And your main job is to lead you. That's your first and number one priority job is to lead you, lead you into a dynamic and lasting faith with Christ, into a relationship with him. You're to lead you. I'm not responsible for your spiritual growth. Guess what? You are. You're to lead yourself into that. Then what we do on the weekends, we're coming together to celebrate, saying we've been following God during the week, and we come together to worship and lift up God and set aside the first for him. That's what we do on the weekend. But you lead you. In fact, you're a leader in this room, and you automatically, just right away, automatically you have three followers. Me, myself, and I. And all three of those need to follow you right? Everybody in here, you need to lead yourself. And so whether you're a young person, you're not a parent, whether you are a parent, whether you've graduated out of parenting, today's message is on the tension of self-leadership and of parenting. You are being led, and you only have a limited amount of time to do it. Have you ever gone to see the sunset and you were running late? You realize the sunset doesn't wait for you. It's not like, oh, I'm a little behind. I can just tell the sunset to hold up because I really would like to get there and see it. No, it's going to happen. The sun is going down. The sun rises. I saw the sun rise this morning. That's rare for me. I'm more of a night owl than a morning person. And, and, and just saw it on the way here today. We came early and we, and we saw the sun coming up. It was a beautiful thing. But the sunrise, the sunset doesn't wait for you. It's like time, isn't it? Time doesn't wait for you. Time slips by. What do parents say when their kids have grown and gone? Wow, it happened so fast. What do parents of young children say? Will this day ever end? <laughs> right? It can't go fast enough. Right? Because parenting is made up of long days, but short years. Time. It's moving fast, and it's limited. And so the issue is not, how in the world do I get more? The issue is, how are you and I going to leverage the time we have? How are we going to self-lead with the time that we're given to lead ourselves and then lead those that we influence if God gives us family? How are we going to do that? It's not getting more time, it's leveraging what we have. Well, how about taking a look at your rhythm? You have a rhythm, you have routines. Think about it in the morning. When you get up, you probably get up and do the same things almost every day. In fact, few of you realize that you brush your teeth the same way every day. It's something that we don't have to think about. It's a learned memory thing, and it's a routine, so that when you're brushing your teeth, you don't really have to think about brushing your teeth. You're not like, did I get molar number five? You don't have to think about that. It just, you just have already trained yourself to do it because you're a person on routine. But your day walks with routines. Your day walks with rhythms. And even when days are different, you still have a rhythm to your day. There's things that you do when you eat. There's things that you do when you sleep. There's things you do. People can track your sleep rhythms. They have apps for stuff like that these days. And you have a rhythm. But I want to ask about your life rhythm, your family rhythm. Rhythm establishes value. Things that become part of your daily rhythm are the things that our families will come to believe are the most important or have the most value. Rhythm silently but significantly communicates value. You might say to your kids, hey, I value exercise. We as a family, we value exercise as a family. Exercise is super important. But let's say you say that, but you never go into the backyard and throw the ball with your kid. You never walk over to the park. You never play soccer. You never do exercise or get on a treadmill or join a gym or anything. What your kids will ultimately say is, I hear you, but what you're communicating is because it never made its way into our rhythms, it's unimportant. But you say exercise is very important. I'll give you five articles. I can tell you all about why it's so important to take care of your temple, your body, and to do that. But if you never get out and do it, if it never makes its way into your rhythm, your daily routine, your rhythm, then it's communicated as being not important. 
parents, it's why we bring our kids to church. It's why we communicate what does it mean to have a lasting faith. It's why we have to be intentional with the rhythms of life because they will catch whatever we offer and when we add it to our routine, they will catch that that is a value. That is something that is important in life. The same is true for faith. If you want to instill an everyday faith in the life of your own self or in the life of your children, then it's got to make its way into your family rhythm. Every family rhythm is different. But on a basic level, everyone experiences four different times that God talks about and gives us keys to establishing a family rhythm. And what I'm going to suggest today is if you do these things in your life, if you do these things in leading yourself and you do these things in leading your kids, you're going to communicate a value that can lead to a lasting faith. Your faith will actually take off. Your trust and your love with God will override even your doubts. And you will grow in your faith as both trust and doubt can grow our faith, can't they? Everyone does a couple things in the average day. Will you take your notes out of your program? We're going to take some notes here together today. And God gives us four different things that happen at a basic level in everybody's routine. And the four things that he talks about, he says, listen, everybody basically wakes up, everybody eats, everybody travels, everybody sleeps. And God outlines a natural rhythm, and he encourages people to use the natural rhythm to nurture lasting faith. And the way he does it, he speaks to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning with verse 5, he says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your what? Your hearts, right? So that's, that's self-leadership, right? They got to get to our hearts first. We got to value them. So these commandments God's going to talk about, he's going to say, listen, put them on your hearts. Then he says, impress them on your who? On your children, right? So they're to be in our hearts so we're impressing them on our hearts at the same time that we're impressing them on our children. Let me tell you, your children might come to faith before you did, but you can learn Jesus, and you can learn God's word, and you can walk with Jesus as a young believer, even if your kids are young. In fact, one of the greatest things for parents is to learn more about Jesus and to walk along with Jesus and to grow in faith alongside a child. Because a child brings something new and unique to your outlook on faith. It brings something new and unique to uh, worshiping a, a, a God who came to become flesh and who was in the form of a baby. Well, you don't know what it is to worship that until you have a baby. And when you do, it opens your eye to your faith in Christ in a new way. And you begin to walk and do it. So there's four things he talked about. He says, here's the rhythm. Listen. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. God's instruction is that you lead yourself or your kids, if you have them, by creating a daily rhythm of faith. You're going to add faith and add Christ into your daily routines, your daily rhythm. That's how it works. So number one in your outline, the first one God gives us, the first part of the daily rhythm is when you wake up. When you wake up. You see those t-shirts or those statements that say, but first, coffee. How many of you are believers in that in this room? Yes, thank you very much. I'm with you. You know, lots to do today, lots of, but first, coffee. I mean, that's important, right? But I want to change that today. I want to say this, but first, God. Really, I've been practicing the last couple of years. This hasn't been a thing that's been part of my routine my whole life, but I've been practicing this year that, that I can get up and get going and get so busy about doing things for God 
that I don't get up and be with God at times. My main job is to be with God, so is yours. So instead of but first coffee, I would suggest to you but first God. And the way that I've been practicing recently is that I read my Bible before my feet hit the floor. So it's God first. It's Bible first. I reach over my nightstand. I grab my phone. I've got the Bible on my phone. I'm working through a reading plan. I work through maybe just a, a, a couple different reading plans. And I, I just work through stuff that God puts uh, right there on the phone. You got to get great reading plans on the YouVersion Bible app. And I'm just, again, I'm just spending time with God. I'm talking to him. And guess what? Why is that so important? Because God's word is going to come along and encourage you at the beginning of your day. God knows something about his children. He knows his children need encouragement. You could be a junior higher in here. You could be a high schooler, whatever, right? But God knows you need encouragement. But what happens for us as parents, right? I'm going to ask you a tough question as it applies to your kids. Parents in the room, do you bless your kids first thing in the morning or do you stress your kids first thing in the morning? You get up, you got lots to do, we got all those sorts of things we need to do, and sometimes you and I, and we, we raise the anxiety of our kids, we bring them into our crazy. So we wake them up and we bring them right up to speed to crazy because we're already there. Because we've not slowed down, we've not been with the Lord, we, don't, we haven't encouraged ourselves in the Lord, and so we bring our kids right into crazy. Instead, one of the great things to do is, but first God, and, and parents, let me tell you, you model in so many ways the love of God to your kids. And parents, the great window that God gives us with our children is the best time of the day to encourage them is when they wake up. That you've got the morning to just tell them that you love them, to tell them that they're awesome. You've got the morning just to encourage your kids and it's so much easier when you and I have led ourselves first, right? What will I encourage them with? Well, what did God encourage you with from his word? Maybe you pass that on now. How cool is that, right? So when you wake up, and so it's but God first. And for some of you, like that whole Bible before my feet hit the floor doesn't match. But for me, uh, for some of you in this room, you might say, I'll attach it to something I'm already doing like breakfast. I got to eat, and while I'm going to eat, I'm going to go ahead and and read the Bible. I'm going to spend time with God. Some of you, it's on your commute. You're going to utilize and leverage that time. Think of your rhythm. Do you bless or do you stress yourself first thing? Again, think of your rhythm. If you are not a parent, you're an adult or you're a teenager, do you bless or stress yourself first thing in the morning? Do you get up and read the news first? Do you get on social networking? Do you compare your life to everybody else's and all of a sudden realize that maybe somebody has it better than you and all of a sudden you're stressed? I want to encourage you. God says, listen, there's a great rhythm you can do. It's called but God first. Find encouragement for your life first and lead yourself when you wake up. So it's when you wake up. Second one is when you eat. How many of you like eating in this room? Love it, right? We love eating. But let me tell you something. This is a secret. Uh, this, is just, this is a pastor secret to you. And that's this. Praying for your food doesn't make your food more nutritious. It doesn't. It's not why you pray. People pray before they eat. They think maybe I'm saying something grand over the food. It's just a, it's a, eating is a routine. So if I pray before I eat, I'm just modeling for myself and for my children that it's good to talk to God throughout the day. And guess what? I eat several times throughout the day. And so if I talk to God at that time, I'm instilling the value of talking to God. What happens? If you and I become prayerless, then we think we become self-sufficient. We wander away from God. And pretty soon you're living a self-led, self-centered life. And you're not developing a lasting faith in your own life. You're not developing a lasting faith in the life of your children. 
So one of the ways is obviously you can pray when you eat, but, but another thing, it just lets you know just how important mealtime is. In fact, mealtime is incredibly important. If you're going to nurture lasting faith in your children, then you need to have like some focused discussions while you eat. Just talk about God, talk about life, talk about, uh, to, talk about faith in so many ways. If you're married uh, or, you know, and have kids, mealtime at the table is critically important. It's a relational time. I love the picture in scripture. Jesus would sit down and would eat with his disciples. He was a single guy, but he would sit down and have relational time over food with other people, and he would, he would have important discussions with them, and he wouldn't use the time to, to correct or, or to even train his disciples. They just would relate and relax. It was a fun, a relaxed time to be able to do that. In fact, Peter, after he denied knowing Christ three times, he fails Christ miserably. Christ gets crucified. He's dead. He's buried in the ground. He raises to new life. Guess what? He appears to the disciples, and now he's sitting down with them at a meal. Guess what? Peter and Jesus have not had a talk yet, and in John chapter 21, we see this great picture. Jesus is having breakfast with a bunch of his disciples, and Peter's there. And if it were me, I'd be tempted to tell Peter all the things he did wrong. But what does Jesus do? He doesn't use the meal time to correct people. He wants it to be relational. He wants it to be fun. He understands that we're going to respond best when we're not hangry, that we're well fed. And so then what does he do? He walks with Peter after breakfast and addresses his disobedience, but I love how Jesus did it because he acknowledges his disobedience, but he reassures him of his love and reinstates Peter, who goes on to become one of the most important figures in the early church. It's a beautiful thing. Parents, there's just a lesson in there. Just let me tell you. Don't use mealtime as a time to nitpick your kids. They're going to feel like POWs. Let it be relational. Let it be relaxing. Enjoy that. And I'm going to give you, if you're parents of young children, I'm going to give you a trade secret, all right? I didn't know this. I learned this early on. But I learned that there's a great rhythm, a great routine you can get your little kids on, especially when they're like nursing or around that age. And that is, a, this is the, the, rhythm to get them on. Sleep, then eat, then play. You might want to write that down. Sleep, then eat, then play. Think about what you do. You sleep, then you and I, we wake up, and we eat, and then we play or we work. And for some of you, work is play, but for a lot of us, work is work, right? It's, it's hard work. But, but that's what we do. We, we have to sleep and then eat. But what happens a lot of times in our culture is we learn to like nurse our kids to sleep. So we feed them and they learn to fall asleep after they eat. And then they wake up and they're cranky because they're a little bit hungry too and they're not the best. If you want happy kids when they're really little, get them on the routine where they sleep, then they eat, then they play because well-rested and well-fed equals happy play. You're going to find it will change your routines and it will bless the life of your kids. It actually prepares them for school. It prepares them for life, right? So God says... The rhythm is when you wake up, then when you eat. Number three on your outline, it's when you travel. It's when you travel. When you're traveling, well, you say, when do I travel? It's when you commute. It's when you're in a car. God said it this way, when you walk along the road. They didn't have transportation like we do back in the day, so they walked. So he's saying, listen, as you walk along the road, when you're not face-to-face but you're side-by-side, it's at that time that you want to be able to have some informal relationship with, ki- with your kids that involves faith. You want some informal relationship with yourself. In fact, it's a great thing. Uh, you might talk to Jesus while you're commuting. You might listen to a sermon, listen to the Bible online, start what you think 
or start what do you think conversations with your kids about faith? What do you guys think about this? What do you think about that? And just listen to them process their faith as you're driving. They're not face-to-face with you. They're not put on the spot. You're just asking what do you think kind of questions with your kids. Uh, For those of you who are parents in this room, I'd encourage you, get the parent cue. You know what that is? That's this sheet we send home with you every week. Because as a church, we want to come alongside with you and help you in your parenting. We believe it's so important. We want to help you. So I would say get this. This is, uh, by the way, for K through first. Uh, This is week three. They are studying trust, which we talked about last week. And it says putting your confidence in someone you can depend on. And the bottom line is this. When the pressure is on, you can trust God is with you. Here's what I would do. Parents, you know what I would do? I would take a picture of this. Then I have it with me everywhere I go all week long. Anytime I need my parent cue, I've got it with me. And I can pull it out at a meal. I can pull it out while we're driving along. And, and it, even if my kids are older, they can read the questions and they can walk through. And we could talk about those things together. It's, you're involving faith in something you're already doing. Let me say for you, if you are a teenager, if you are an adult and you don't have kids yet, leverage your time when you travel. Listen to sermons. Pray to God. Listen to Christian music. Maybe a podcast. I mean, what if... What if you downloaded the Sungrove podcast halfway through the week and you listened to the sermon again to say, I've forgotten what the decision I, what I made on the weekend for God, and now halfway in my routines in my week, I'm going to re-listen to it and let God speak to my heart in a new way. Can you imagine what your faith would be like even just a year from now if you were to do these things? It's important to lead yourself. So not only when you wake up, not only when you eat, not only when you travel, but when you sleep. And what I want to think about for a minute is your bedtime routine. What did your bedtime routine look like? Do you involve God at all in your bedtime routine? A lot of times as parents, we're just trying to get them to go to sleep. We're trying to get them to go down, just please sleep so we could have some free time, right? But, but for all of us in this room, you've got a routine. You've got a bedtime routine. And what I want to suggest is pray with your kids at bedtime out loud. Don't just let them fall asleep and hover and pray over them, but listen, have intimate conversations while tucking your kids in bed. If you slow down, your kids will open up at this time, and you think this is, I'm just talking about little kids, I'm not. I'm saying, mom and dad, listen, if you slow down and you pray with your kids, even if they're teenagers, and you listen to them, they will open up at bedtime in ways that they won't open up in the rest of the day. They're quieter, they're a little relaxed, and it's just, you know, you say, hey, we haven't done this before, but we're going to start doing this. We're going to add this to our routine, and you're going to find that you're going to be building relationship with your kids, not just dealing with facts and deadlines and tasks with your kids. It's when you sleep to lead yourself, talk to God before you go to bed, involve, you might read scripture as well before you go to bed, but again, you're developing the rhythm. God is saying, listen, if you're going to develop these truths in your heart and then on the hearts of your children, you're going to have to be more deliberate about creating a family rhythm in your home. So think about your weekly rhythm. I want you to think just for a minute. What does your family rhythm look like? What nights do you tend to eat together? What is your nighttime routine when you get ready for bed? What do you do every Saturday morning? What do you do every Sunday morning? Church is important. The value you communicate by being here. With all respect to every sport that I played most of them, I want to just say to you parents, you want to create a value in your kids that God is more important than the sport they ultimately will not play the rest of their lives. But that they would walk with a God that they will walk with the rest of their lives. Don't squander the temporary for the eternal. Walk with them in that way. 
for us, Saturday mornings for us became kind of sacred. I would take the boys out. Heather would stay at home. It was her time to let down and relax. I would take the boys out and we'd go to Starbucks and I would talk to them about something that I was learning in the week from the Bible. And at the end of our time, I would just say, okay, boys, what questions do you have for me? Because I knew that these little boys were going to grow up to be teenagers and I wanted built into our rhythm an opportunity for them to ask their dad questions that matter most. I didn't want them to all of a sudden become a teenager and go, I probably should ask my dad, but be afraid to or not know how to. Create a family rhythm. How does God say do it? Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Create a new family rhythm. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.